I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Are you ready for the flood? Are you ready for the flood? I am now. I wasn't so much, but I sure am now. It's all about flood walls. I just want to illustrate for you, you know, the wall is right here along the Skagit River. It really held back those floodwaters, but it was keeping the floodwaters from going over here into this business district here in Mount Vernon. Before they had this wall, the waters would rush up here, would head towards those business. People would be grabbing sandbags. They'd be trying to get their their possessions to higher ground. They'd be trying to shore up their businesses. Really a very scary situation. Now, there was still damage in this area, but not nearly as significant as it could have been without having this flood wall here in this community. Flood walls. How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you uh, remember sandbagging in Mount Vernon before we had that flood wall, right? Yeah. How many of you just loved watching that flood wall work? How many of you were excited to see the flood wall tested? (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, we're going to build to that. I'll pick that up at the end of the message because that's being ready, right? That's having the right kind of wall. That is a total opposite of myself and Char. Uh, We've never had to worry about it. We've never had water in our neighborhood. we have this huge retention pond out back of our house, and just two nights uh, before the flood, I was bragging, uh, so I take full responsibility for jinxing the entire community, <laughs> how I've been 30 years, and we've never had a drop of water in that retention pond. I've, we've gone through two floods, one over Highway 28, so I'm not worried at all. <laughs> I sound like a parable, and I'm not the good guy in the parable. I'm the dummy. Okay, so, <clears throat> apparently... Uh, we slept through a 2, uh, 2 a.m. evacuation warning. The next day I asked the neighbor, how come the police didn't come? He says, he says, we were watching. The police were just banging on your door. At two. We didn't know. We thought you must, everyone thought you must have left. And maybe, you know, someone else took you, left your cars. And I said, nope. Nope. We slept right through it. Right through it. So I rolled out of bed, made coffee. Strolled onto the back deck. I get up around 5.30. It's dark out. I usually take a little dip in the hot tub. Didn't see any reason not to. Clueless that we were already landlocked. This is, my, this is the end of my road right here. Kenny Bean's son lives there. They got water in the, in the garage and 18 inches by the stop side. There's no getting out. Now, I didn't know this. I'm just sitting in the hot tub looking at the stars and praying. Talking to God. And I keep barely hearing this sound like a broken water pipe in the neighbor's, you know, it's beyond my yard. And barely, like, I hear it and then not hear it. So I just try to ignore it. This is, by the way, this is a huge analogy for all of our lives. <laughs> and finally, I thought, I should go figure out what that is because it's a weird sound. It's so weird. So I put my towel on and I'm walking out in the yard. It's still dark and I'm like using my ear to try and find the sound. And so I have these big laurel bushes and this little red barn where I have a car and all of our family stuff and everything's been a mess in there, stacked in boxes forever with a note for a year to clean it. And uh, I haven't. So I walk between the laurel bushes of the barn and I get out to that retention pond. 
and there's moonlight, and I can't tell what I'm seeing for a good full second before the panic just hits. It's a lake at my feet, and that sound I'm hearing is probably about 17 storm drains that finally found their way, just roiling in the middle of it, and it's right there. And pure panic, just pure panic. Well, uh, let's see where I'm at here. Yeah, I found it. I found the noise. Okay. Rapidly rising. See, I kind of went off scripture. Rapidly rising. Storm drain geyser. Pure panic. Okay, right here. It is funny the motivational effect that rising water can have when it's at your doorstep. You know, because that'll clean the cluttered barn note. Yeah, I had, uh, because our, our house garage is about two feet higher. And so I had... Uh, the house garage cleaned, and then everything taken out of the barn, and my old car started, had to put a new battery in it, and then that was side mounts instead of top, so I had to find a couple cables and get that all hooked up and everything, and then I had to, I had to get it, it hadn't been started for a while, so I had to go through all that. Anyway, about 15 minutes total for cleaning the house garage, getting the car moved, and cleaning all the stuff out of here, and getting it ready, and dressing, and getting my clothes on. I got done, I went, so that's possible. 15 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm glad no one filmed me because it was, I can't even imagine what I looked like. Uh, so after literally and figuratively, but mostly literally getting caught with my pants down, <laughs> I absolutely had to use Jesus' parable about anticipating the flood because I, I mean, I just, I am the living bad example. I am the absolute living bad example. So here we are on the hillside above the Sea of Galilee. Jesus delivered one of his best known comparables, which I am pretty sure was my earliest theological training, as it was many of yours. Only mine was via my godmother, Doris, who led children's music in the basement of Burlington Lutheran when I was five years old. You ever sing, the wise man built his house upon the rock? Right? And the rains come down, and the floods came up, and the wise man's house... Stood firm. But the foolish man's house went splat, right? Went splat. Okay, up on the hillside, multitudes were flocking to Jesus to behold and to hear and be healed. The height of his popularity, they're praising him, they're shouting, Amen! They're crying as he bestows the single largest deposit of classic Jesus wisdom in the Bible. It's what's playing in the restrooms. Sermon on the Mount. And though he is at the height of his popularity, he knows. He knows that for many that day, if not most, his deeply profound insights and warnings will have no radical or lasting effect. And that's why he ends the entire thing with... The foolish man's house went splat. <laughs> he ends everything that day with a sobering question and a flood warning. Why, he says, they're all, I mean, this is, he couldn't, have, he couldn't have given more what they wanted. And then he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. Fair question. 
And then he says, like, okay, here's the big ending. Here's the, here's the show ender. I will show you, you who merely listen and do not do what I say. I will show you what he is like who comes to me, as you all have, and hears my words, as you all have, and puts them into practice. And then he tells about what they would have seen as the wadi builder. The wadi builder. Know what a wadi is? A lot of you do, because we've talked about this a couple of years ago. Big, dry, sandy gully that is actually a riverbed. That's a riverbed, okay? It's just dry for sometimes decades. And sometimes they are enormous. Can you imagine the, something that, like that riverbed, only really big? Here's how you can imagine it. Find the car. Find the car in the picture. See it? Okay, here it is. That little riverbed is an enormous riverbed. Uh, my old friend, Jim Rindle, he used to love to say, golly, what a golly. <laughs> I got to say, golly, what a wadi golly. And, and when the rains come down, and sometimes miles away, and they don't even know, a silent, incredibly violent flash flood comes up. Wadi means washes, because it washes away everything and everyone that's in its path. There's a, a water park in Dubai called the Wild Wadi, and one of the attractions is a 16,000-gallon flash flood called the Wadi Wash, the Washi Wash, the Wadi Wadi. So the question is, why would anyone want to build in a wadi? Because that's Jesus' whole point, this parable. See, I'm giving you all this information so when we get to the parable, you will just understand what Jesus is saying. Why would anyone want to build in a wadi? Well, well, that's the answer. Well, oh well, there's sub subsurface subterranean water going in there under that wadi. Great place for a well. And if you build up on the side, then you've got to walk back and forth. Plus, after a long, hot day of digging, you know, pickaxing on that old rocky, you'll say, yeah, yeah, we're going to get a foundation here. We'll build here one day. Well, then you get to go down and sleep on that nice, soft, smooth sand. And a cool breeze blows up through the gully. You drift off. And then wake up. That blazing sun's just waiting for you on the hillside. And you're faced with man's oldest dilemma. Do what's easy or do what's right. Scale there. Do what's easy, do what's right. Where's your life falling on that scale? Do what's easy, do what's right. Those who, would, those who chose to stay on the sand, and a lot did, a lot did. They weren't ignorant, just foolish. They knew what a wadi was, but this is a big life truth. Once we settle on sand, and you decide what the sand is for you in your life, I've decided what it, several things it is in my life. Once we settle on the sand, it's just so easy to rationalize staying there. I'll dig later. I'll dig, I'll dig later when the sun's not so hot. And you do occasionally, half-heartedly chip away at the things in your life you know need attention. But you ever notice how a temporary fix often becomes a permanent, vastly substandard solution? Look at this, temporary fix, right? No, pretty much per permanent, permanent fix. <laughs> Thank you, duct tape. You see, the problem with a wadi 
is, and, and like a lot of things in life, it really isn't a big deal. It just isn't until it is. A flash flood, a very rare event indeed. I've been here 16 years and this is my first time seeing it. <laughs> really? I'm that serious. The deluge came barreling down the valley with a thunderous roar, sweeping away everything in its path. Visitors expecting the serenity of Petra's 2,000-year-old architecture had to scramble frantically to higher ground as the water raged beneath them. So now we know what a wadi is. You know, we know what a lot of wadis are in our life. But we get lulled into laziness. Because devastating things, whether uh, emotional, relational, physical, don't happen that often. And often seem to happen to the other person, right? To someone else. But when they do, those devastating things in our life, the unprepared are underwater, so to speak. And so, Jesus finishes with this parable. Uh, I've captured it in Matthew and Luke, so we get all the pieces. Matthew's in purple, Luke is in green. And Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation of our faith. We dig deep in the word and laid the foundation and built his house on the rock. I loved your bracelet last Sunday, Noah. The D-I-G-G, dig. You said instead of the W-W-J-D, you said the D-I-G-G, which was does it glorify God? Well, the only way we can know is to dig in. Dig into his word. I, we need to make that bracelet. The rain came down, Jesus said. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. It had a flood wall. It had a flood wall that stood. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it. You notice the flood strikes the house, right? Because this is the good guy, the wise one. This is the person that, that digs down in his word and builds their life on the rock. Well, the flood comes and and uh, strikes the house, but could not shake it, because it was well built, because it had its foundation on the rock. No one can do that for you, for me. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand without a foundation. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed with a great crash, and its destruction was complete. So the question for us then is, I mean, this is Jesus' big finish on the hillside. And so the question we're left is, what foundational principles or relational realities are you, am I foolishly choosing to ignore or sleep through (laughs) and failing to dig, D-I-G-G, asking ourselves, does it glorify God? Jesus' brother James has a flood warning of his own saying, uh, do not, do not merely listen. In other words, don't settle for what's easy. Do not merely listen to the word. Sounds just like his brother. Because he says, you do that, you, you deceive yourself. Do not merely listen to the word and so in that way deceive yourselves. Deceive yourselves into what? Into thinking you're, you're doing, the thinking you're digging. He says, no, do, do what it says. Do what's right. Do what it says. Because the sun's always hot. And someday never comes. And the sand's quick to tempt. So doers, doers got to dig in and dig down and do. Funny how little time it really takes. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We live on a lot of spiritual assumptions. Those aren't good. Each one of us has to dig down and find what do what. I base this stuff on because it's got to connect inside of us. I believe Jesus is basing, Jesus based everything he said on stuff in the Old Testament. That was his Bible, of course. And I was looking for this. And I think I found it. Uh, Not the only one, but I like this. Ezekiel 13, Isaiah 28. I think this is what Jesus bases his parable on. It's got some interesting insights. It's where God commands the Son of Man to confront the foolish who fail to establish their faith on his word and assume, and oh, this starts hitting close to home, and assume their thoughts are like his, without double-checking, without digging in. And therefore, they fall when the storms of life come and reveal their foundation or lack thereof. The interesting surprise here is the storm. We'll get to that. The storm says in Ezekiel, the Lord says, Son of man, prophesy against those who prophesy out of their own heart or imagination. No, instead, hear the word of the Lord. Woe to the foolish who follow their own spirit. I mean, they don't know it. We don't know we're doing it unless you're checking the word. They've seen nothing in his word, yet they hope that the word they've assumed may be confirmed by God. And they get all upset when it, it isn't. They're all confused. Where are you, God? Are you, what word were you going by there? He says, you say, the Lord says, but I've not spoken. You know, where's your scripture? Where's your verse? I hear people all the time. Well, I just feel like the Lord, I, I think the Lord uh, would say, it's like, based on, I think my thoughts are his. And then somebody else will go, well, I agree with that. Based on, our thoughts are his. And so he says, you've spoken nonsense and envisioned lies. You don't even know it. It's like, and so here's his analogy. 
straight from God. It's like one, one of you, builds a wall, and then they plaster it with untempered, weak, soft, you know, mortar that won't harden. Therefore, God says, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth, and there shall be a flooding rain and great hailstones. So I will break down the wall, the self-willed wall that you have plastered with untempered, weak, soft mortar so that its foundation or lack thereof will be uncovered because it's the only way we grow and learn or don't. And now Isaiah jumps in and says, Behold, the Lord has a mighty and strong one. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus like a tempest of hail. Oh, we're switching up the storm. And a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing. And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? I've read ahead, the answer is yes. Those just weaned from milk, yes. Who want the pure milk of his word. Therefore, hear the word The word of the Lord, you scornful men, who said, not with their mouths, but with their actions, we have made lies our refuge. You know, they don't think that. They're just like, we got a refuge. This will protect us when the storms of life hit. We made lies our refuge. And under falsehood, we've hidden ourselves, you know, for protection and safety. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. There's just one a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The hail, who's he, he's already established, is that guy, the rock. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place you know, of self-deceived falsehood. And then he jumps to the New Testament, and Peter weighs in, and he says, Now, children, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow, coming to him as to a living stone chosen by God and precious. And you also, you also as living stones, you're being built up a spiritual house, you know, with a wall of his will on the rock of his word. There's only one foundation There's only one rock, and their one name is Jesus. Everything else, you go, but everything I believe is centered around Jesus. Yeah, but how much of it is just vain imagination that you don't have based on, you haven't dug? I can't do that for you. I wish I could. Because everything else is seductive sand of self-deceit and untempered half-truths. Just waiting to waddy away especially the stuff that we deep down know isn't right, but we just don't want to look at it. We just don't want to, I, don't want to, I don't want to clean that garage yet. Funny, the motivative, motivational effect of a water at your door. So if you suddenly find your family, your marriage, your faith on the rocks, it's likely it's been wrapped in on the sand. And if you don't want that wadi to wash you away when it comes, the one Jesus is talking about, you've got to keep digging you got, you got to go deep. you got to get beyond sandy Christianity and surface-level faith. See, don't settle for learning it. People are like, wait, 
Wait, that's what you're calling the surface level? Is, I thought that was the deep, learning it. No, no, don't settle for, that's how we deceive ourselves. Don't settle for learning it, build on living it. Dig? You say dig. Okay, don't settle, don't settle for confession. Build on conviction. Dig? Don't settle, don't settle for attendance. Build on accountability. Dig? Oh, I like that. On Christ the solid rock, his will and his word alone, we will stand because he's the storm. I mean, that was the big insight for me. He's the storm against sin in all its forms. And he's our refuge from wrath. What a balanced picture of who Jesus really is. He's the storm against sin and the refuge from wrath. We, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure to the degree, that is, that we dig. And I'll tell you, and I know this from personal experience, some believers don't dig too deep in certain areas for fear of facing what they know they don't want to do. So beware of avoiding those things. You, you don't get to plead ignorance because your conscience is watching. And like we've been talking, it's, that'll, he's going to rat you out. <laughs> beware of foolishly trying to add Jesus without subtracting sin. A friend of mine said he saw a truck with two bumper stickers, WWJD and follow me to Hooters. I just think that's the funniest thing. I mean, funny in the sad sense, really. That is addition. That's a picture of addition without subtraction. And if our sins aren't washed away, if we don't let Jesus wash our sins away, we will be. We will be. Jesus starts his Wadi story saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't think that means they won't be allowed in. I think he's just... He's saying, I know so many of you that are saying it aren't going to. You're not going to do the doing. <laughs> You're not going to do the do. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who you know, is willing, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's how the parable begins. And thankfully, he's put his will into words. So it's not like we've got to figure it out. And he's put his words in our hands. And John, one of the 12 who knew Jesus firsthand, writes that whoever dares, this is scary stuff, whoever dares to say, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a what? Say it. It's a liar. It's a liar. Because to know him is to trust him. So whenever I choose the weak but tempting walls of my, of my will on the shifting sand of spiritual assumptions over the wall of his will on the rock of salvation, then I'm foolishly assuming that he's unfairly withholding the soft comforts and sandy satisfaction I crave. And so I just got to do my own thing for a while. So John can only conclude 
that those who disobey him don't trust him. I mean, that's fair enough. Which means those who don't trust him don't know him. Which means they're not digging. Storms will come, right? Storms will come. But then to know the worth of an anchor, you got to face a storm. Sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms the believer. The second scenario ah, has far more (laughs) eternal value. I wish the first one did. I want him to calm those storms. But that second one, sometimes he calms the believer. That's the one that has the, the eternal value. Either way, though, the storms reveal the foundation we've chosen because, and I'm going to make you read this, so pay attention, because peace isn't found in the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Let's read that together. Peace isn't found in the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Some of the most troubled people in our culture are the ones who have it all, have everything. So when that storm beats against your house, your family, your body, your marriage, your plans, your dreams, because it's coming, will you be sunk or secure? Every storm tests what we've built and provides an opportunity to see to what degree we actually really truly trust the Lord. And a lot of times we crumble. A lot of times we don't trust him. And that, that's okay if it's, part of, if it's part of a growing process, you know? If it can just be a reminder to move from the softness of sand to the security of the living stone, and then we dig. Dig? <laughs> when Jesus had finished saying these things, all these things, he finished saying all these things on the hill, the crowds were jaw-dropped amazed. Or is that drop jot amazed? The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had like authority over everything, which doesn't mean they made him their authority. You can acknowledge the one without doing the other. So the question is is he your authority? Anybody pounding on your door or on your heart lately with? Warnings that you're ignoring, trying to ignore, or or simply sleeping through. You know, I'm very proud. Our flood wall in Mount Vernon held. It worked. We should praise the Lord and be rightly proud. We prepared it quite a while ago. A lot of folks were excited to see it tested. You know why? Because when you're sure your wall will stand, then you don't have to fear that inevitable flood. Unlike those who choose the sand, (laughs) or me in that hot tub. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, trust you, worship you for anchoring our drifting soul with peace and hope in the storm. Holy Spirit, wake us when when we've settled for sand and, and motivate us and empower us to dig ever deeper into your word for ourselves. Lord Jesus, we, we praise you as our solid rock. You are the one and only truly firm and faithful foundation. We're going to sing to you now. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.